BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Monday, April 13th. I am Kyle Hilliard. There's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. A Resident Evil 4 remake is rumored to be in production, and Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes are selling very well. ESRB is now calling out in-game purchases with random results. Obsidian's upcoming Grounded will be getting a spider-free mode. And the Crisis Twitter account is active for the first time in four years. A remake of Resident Evil 4 is already in production, according to Rumor. I feel like this show has turned into a focused Resident Evil rumor reporting show in the last few episodes, but I'm not really complaining. I like Resident Evil a whole lot, and the last few rumors, including this one, have all seemed to have some veracity to them. I like still emphasizing that this is a rumor, though, but... According to Andy Robinson, reporting for Video Game Chronicles, it looks like a remake of Resident Evil 4 is already in production over at Capcom. Robinson writes, Multiple development sources have told VGC that the Resident Evil 4 remake has now entered full production, with an estimated release window in 2022. Development is being led by Osaka-based M2, the new studio founded by former Platinum Games head Tatsuya Minami, which has been preparing for the project since 2018. However, similar to how 2020's Resident Evil 3 was directed by company Red Works, Capcom's internal teams and other external studios are likely to lend significant development resources. Some other details from Robinson's story, Shinji Mikami, the renowned director of the original Resident Evil and Resident Evil 4, has apparently lent the project his blessing after declining the offer to work on the remake himself. This rumor has sparked a discussion on the internet about remaking Resident Evil 4, a game that many argue does not need to be remade. I played Resident Evil 4 on Switch as recently as last year, and it holds up remarkably well. It was one of those games I bought on sale for Switch, mostly just because I wanted a great portable version of the game, but after playing the first hour or so, I didn't want to stop and ended up seeing the game to its conclusion. It still plays great, it still looks great, so I understand those decrying a potential remake, but I've always approached remakes and reimaginings with the reminder that a new version of something does not prevent the original from continuing to exist. With that perspective, I would love to see a remake of Resident Evil 4. I love Resident Evil 4, and if Capcom wants to create a new version of that game with modern visuals, I'm all about that. And if it doesn't hold up to the original, Resident Evil 4 is still one of the most ported games of all time, so it will be remarkably easy to find and play the original version on whatever platform you have. Robinson had a few other interesting small details in their report. The remake is apparently being directed by a Resident Evil newcomer, and the studio creating it, M2, is a recently established studio that lent assistance to the Resident Evil 3 remake. 
Other interesting Resident Evil news, Capcom released a financial report this morning sharing some recent sales details. Resident Evil 3 Remake sold over 2 million copies within five days of release. The original Resident Evil 3 released in 1999 on PlayStation and has sold 3.5 million copies in that time, so the remake is already on track to outsell the original game. Capcom's report says, quote, Cumulative sales of the games in the series now total 95 million units since the first title debuted in 1996. Alex Anil at CVX Freak on Twitter, a Resident Evil expert who is currently finishing up a book on the history of the series, tweeted, sharing a link to the recent Capcom financial report. Capcom also reported that Resident Evil 2 Remake sold 6.5 million units, up 700,000 from December 31st. That puts it above Street Fighter 2 SNES and behind only Monster Hunter World, Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 6, and Resident Evil 7 on Capcom's all-time ranking. Truly an impressive result. Resident Evil 2 Remake will likely surpass Resident Evil 6 this year, and most likely Resident Evil 5 by mid-2021. Really impressive. Needless to say, it's a good time to be Resident Evil right now. It really is crazy to think where that series was shortly after the release of Resident Evil 6. Resident Evil 6 was a big commercial success, but everyone had low expectations for the long-term health of the series because the game was just generally underwhelming, and it didn't help that Capcom had released the completely forgettable Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City a few months prior to 6, and then released the somehow even more forgettable Umbrella Chronicles a few years later. Although it's worth noting that Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City did sell 3.2 million copies, according to its Wikipedia page. So Resident Evil 3 still has a ways to go to catch up to that game. A game that has a scenario where you can find and kill Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield during the events of Resident Evil 2. It was a super weird one. The ESRB has a new notice for when a game includes in-game purchases related to random items. The ESRB, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, is the video game industry's self-regulated ratings board that puts the little moniker on video game boxes or on the store page for online games that give it a rating like E for Everyone or M for Mature. It announced today that it is adding a new defining note for certain games. On a blog post announcing the addition, the ESRB writes, In April 2018, the ESRB began assigning interactive elements to physical video games with in-game purchases and user interact notices. The in-game purchases interactive element informs parents and other consumers of when a game offers the ability to purchase additional items without leaving the game. To provide even greater transparency about the nature of in-game items, available for purchase, the ESRB will now begin assigning a new interactive element, in-game purchases, includes random items. So that's what it will actually say on the box. It'll say in-game purchases, and then in parentheses, it will say includes random items. The blog post continues, what does this new notice mean? This new interactive element, in-game purchases, includes random items, will be assigned to any game that contains in-game offers to purchase digital goods or premiums, with real-world currency or with virtual coins or other forms of in-game currency that can be purchased with real-world currency, for which the player doesn't know prior to purchase the specific digital goods or premiums they will be receiving, for example, loot, 
boxes, item packs, mystery awards, etc. In-game purchases, includes random items, will be assigned to all games that include purchases with any randomized elements including loot boxes, gotcha games, item or card packs, prize wheels, treasure chests, and more. Games that have the in-game purchases includes random items notice may also include other non-randomized paid elements. I really like this addition, as I think being able to use real money to make purchases that return random results is an incredibly exploitive game mechanic that I personally think should be made illegal. It's a form of gambling, and even though you are not gambling in a traditional sense where you are exchanging money to potentially make more money, it still trains young minds to get excited about spending money to hopefully receive something exciting in return, and the exciting thing has low odds, which makes you more eager to spend money, and it is incredibly dangerous to train young players that this is a fun way to spend money. It's a modern gaming trend that I despise, and it frustrates me when people point to games like Overwatch as implementing it well. We shouldn't put up with it in any game. It sucks, and I hate it, and I think the ESRB calling it out in their rating system is a step in the right direction toward excising it from video games in the long term. I think those kind of mechanics actively make video games worse. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Grounded will include an arachnophobia mode. Grounded is an upcoming game from Obsidian, the studio behind The Outer Worlds, that kind of looks like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the video game. You, playing as a child and a group of other children, explore a backyard after getting shrunken down to the size of bugs. You have to survive by creating a defendable base and crafting weapons and armor, all while defending yourself against comparably gigantic bugs like ants, ladybugs, and spiders. But apparently, if you don't like the last creature on the list there, there will be an arachnophobia mode in the game. Responding to a tweet from at the real coding that said, just watched the trailer for Grounded by Obsidian, and those giant spiders pretty much told me I probably won't be playing much of this. Obsidian responded, good news for you, the real coding. The Grounded team is implementing an arachnophobia mode to help with those who aren't fans of spiders and still want to enjoy the game. So there you go. If you hate spiders, you will still be able to play Grounded, a game that conceptually looks very cool. The Crisis Twitter account tweeted for the first time since 2016. The at Crisis Twitter account tweeted something very simple this morning. Just two words all caps, receiving data. 
This is relevant, though, because the Twitter account has not been active since 2016. In fact, its last tweet was on December 13th, 2016, where it shared a little clip of a YouTube video fan-animated fight between a predator and the crisis protagonist, Prophet, duking it out. It looks like the account's icon has been changed out, too, with a character clad in maybe some new crisis-style armor or something. It's not totally clear. This could be a tease for an announcement of a new game, a Crisis 4, perhaps. Crisis 3 released in 2013. Or maybe it could be a remaster for modern consoles of the three Crisis games or something like that. The developer of the Crisis series, Crytek, experienced all kinds of problems starting in 2014 when there were issues with employees not getting paid properly. And then in 2016, it shut down four of its studios in various parts of the world, which threw many of its in-progress projects up in the air. But it still is a studio making games. It released Hunt Showdown most recently, which was generally received pretty well. I have no clue what this is, and Crisis was never a big property for me. I think the most Crisis I played was Crisis 2, which had stereoscopic 3D support when it released, which was very novel at the time. It's one I always felt like I didn't give enough of a shot, though. I think between a remaster of the first three games or a new Crisis, I would be more interested in a new Crisis. Maybe for next-gen consoles, as it has always been a series that is all about graphical showcase. That's it for video game news today. I didn't get to play quite as much Final Fantasy VII Remake as I wanted to over the weekend, but I got a few hours in, and I am really enjoying it so far. I can't help but have these moments, though, where I think in the back of my mind, oh, I bet Final Fantasy VII superfans are enjoying this element way more than me. That's not to say I'm not enjoying it. Far from it. But it's this weird thing that's just bouncing around in the back of my head. I have already run into a few of those side missions that a lot of reviewers have complained about, like clearing out an old factory of a rat infestation. And I can see the annoyance. For sure. On the one hand, it's an excuse to level up and take part in the combat, which I really enjoy. But on the other hand, it feels, frankly, stupid to be beating up rats in an RPG in the year 2020. It is all optional, but I think the combat looks like it has the potential to become challenging. So I don't want to skip it and be underleveled in the future. And I like beating stuff up, so I don't want to say no to beating up some monsters. So far, overall, great first impression. The combat is definitely the highlight for me so far, without a doubt. I'm surprised how much it borrows from Final Fantasy XV. With this remake borrowing and expanding on the combat that XV established, it feels like a statement to me that this is the combat that Final Fantasy will be using for the next handful of entries. I wonder if we'll ever see a return to turn-based combat. I don't think we will, at least not for a long, long time. And I'm Personally, I'm okay with that. There are a lot of just weird guttural interjections in the dialogue, like characters just going, huh, or oh, or just making a quick growl, which always kind of bugs me. If you if you want a character to interject some kind of emotion into a scene without dialogue, I always prefer to just see it in their face rather than hear them make some kind of weird grunt that you have to interpret as happy or annoyed or some other emotion. It's also not nearly as bad as Kingdom Hearts, not even close, but the dialogue does feel stilted sometimes. It's performed well, but there are all these occasions where there are surprisingly big gaps between one character saying something and another responding. But man, is it fun to hit stuff with Cloud's comically gigantic sword. 
On Saturday, I posted a bonus interview with Benjamin Truman, who was with Crowbar Collective, the studio behind Black Mesa, the full Half-Life remake that was in development for more than a decade. Truman is credited as a writer and designer on the project. I just wanted to plug that episode, which should be in your feed if you're subscribed. I talked to Truman about working on the game for so long, what kind of feedback the team got from Valve, which really wasn't much at all, and we also share some spoiler-free thoughts on Half-Life Alex. so please check that out. I like having bonus interview episodes like that, so I'm hoping to do more in the future. If you have feedback, corrections, whatever, send me tweets, or you can send me DMs at Kyle M. Hilliard at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send me an email, kyle at ridehome.info. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator, where I'm playing through Black Mesa right now. I, I don't think I'm almost done. Zen is really huge, bigger than I expected, and that is one of the things that I talked to Benjamin about in that interview, is why they went so hard on remaking Zen in particular. You can also find me on The MinMax Show for more long-form video game discussion, and I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow. 